You know, what, what you're saying is really interesting because whenever I get, I've, I've been in a place before where I thought it wasn't fair. It isn't fair. I'm not getting what I think I should get. And, and, then, and I remember complaining to my father one time about how unfair it was. And my dad says, yeah, that's really unfair. I go, what do you mean? He goes, it's unfair to yourself and the other people for, that you would continue in a, in a situation that you think is unfair. Calling all compromisers and divas, or those who deal with compromisers and divas, listen up, this conversation is for you. Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high-stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-hosts and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There's no conversation too risky. This week, Dan, Adrian, and I sit down to discuss the fourth and fifth negotiation styles outlined from our negotiation quiz, the compromiser, and the diva. If you or members of your team have not taken the negotiation style quiz, it's linked in the show notes of this episode. Go take the quiz now so that you can put your results in the context of this conversation. It'll make it so much more meaningful. In this conversation, we dive into the strengths and potential blind spots of these two styles and some of the ways these show up in our leadership and relationships. Now, I'm going to assume most of you listening to this right now do not fall into these two camps, the compromiser and the diva. However, it's likely that you will encounter partners or people on your team that operate in these styles. So understanding the ins and outs and specifics about the styles is crucial if you want to lead them well. And at the end of this conversation, we give you a silver bullet question that you can ask to help someone who is in these two styles be more open and willing to engage in a meaningful negotiation. So don't miss that. Now let's dive in. Gentlemen, Dan, Adrian, so good to be with you today. Great good to, to be, be here. here. Hey, we are going to wrap up the negotiation style series with this episode. This is our fourth installment into the series. Each, each episode, we have gone after a single style. Uh, that are outlined in the results of the negotiation quiz that we uh, that we offer for free. If you haven't already, you can check that out at negotiation.takenewground.com. 15 simple questions about how you relate to negotiation. You can do it in under five minutes. You can find out what currently your negotiation style is. And also, the most I think the most impactful part of those results is finding out what strengths exist in that style and what potential blind spots there are, where you might be missing value or opportunities for connection with somebody that you're negotiating with. Why is that important? Well, because we say everything you have in life is a result of your negotiations, and negotiation is the heart of leadership. So in order to create something new, if you're looking to create something new in your in your business, in your leadership, on your team, in your family, if you're looking to create something new, the only way to start is to find out where you actually are. Get connected to current reality. That's what this quiz is. You get to get connected to your current reality of how you re- how you relate to negotiation. So go check it out, negotiation.takenewground.com. Like I said, we're wrapping up the styles. We're actually going to talk about two styles in this episode. Uh, there it's are a twofer. Some, it's a twofer. You're going to twofer one now. 
So don't tell us tell don't ever say we didn't give you anything. <laughs> um these these two styles are closely related. There's a lot of overlap and that's why I wanted to combine them into one conversation. So I will work to be very distinct whether or not we're talking about the compromiser or we're talking about the diva. Uh I I I that's my favorite name by the way that we came up with of the style names. The diva. The, the diva. Me too. So I want you to stick around because towards the end of the conversation, we're going to talk about the strengths of both the compromiser and the diva. And we're also going to talk about the potential blind spots or prices you're paying or those who are in these styles are paying for, um, you know, for the compromiser and the diva. So, and, and let me just, let me just say from the jump here, if you're listening to this podcast, my guess is if, if you've, that you've, you've taken the assessment. If you haven't, go ahead and do that right now. Pause and go do that. And uh-huh. my guess is you're one of the top three styles. And so the point of listening to this is there's probably people that are close to you that operate this way. And to get some more language around, you know, what shows up for you when you're dealing with a compromiser or when you're in a deal with a diva, it's just good for you to know what's going on for them so you can support or crush whatever you need to do. I mean, That's I right. what you're thinking on, the point, the distinction that if you're listening to this, you're probably one of the top three. Why, why, why do you say that maybe if you're a compromiser or a diva, you wouldn't be listening to it? I mean, my, as a general be, style. My <laughs> guess is that, you know, if you're listening, if you like this stuff, you've actually been into this for a while and you're into a conversation about yourself and you've been up for optimizing, transitioning, uh, transforming what's going on for you. So if you're, you know, I guess... But maybe I'm giving you too much of a benefit of the doubt here. But Not I, a lot of compromisers and divas are pushing play on a podcast called Naked Leadership. That's our right. assumption. <laughs> right. I like I like the way you didn't compromise on that. <laughs> <laughs> I like this already. This is spicy. Let's All do right. it. Let's go. So let's start. Let's start with the compromiser. So the compromiser. This used, looked, Dan's, this used to be Dan's style until I met him. So go ahead. Sure, yeah. Until we taught him everything <laughs> okay, we know. And, and, I was in there too, Adrian. And, well, that's all right because diva was what Adrian was. So we were a compromiser <laughs> and diva. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I almost didn't do this podcast because he has, didn't give me the terms I demanded. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so the compromiser, the reason it got its name is it sees negotiating as compromising, and they uh-huh. want little to do with it. What does that mean? They see it as compromising. Well, that that the negotiation itself is a compromise. Like I shouldn't have to do this. Uh-huh. You should see the value of what I'm asking for because I deserve it. And uh-huh. I don't want to go through the torture of convincing you. So let's just find the best middle road where we can divide things up, and that way I get what I want. I get some of what I want, and you can get some of what you want, and we can dispense with this this uh, bullshit that that we have to go through just to find an agreement. After all, I shouldn't have to go through that. That's really what's going on in the background. Yeah. This, I, this leads to an us and them mentality. Me yeah. versus you, us versus them, good versus evil. That is the framework that has to exist in the compromiser mindset. Now, for if you're if you're in if you tend towards the compromising style, 
you may not be overtly having those thoughts, but people will show up when they ask for what they want, you will feel defensive. That's one way of putting it. Like, because people go, well, I just don't think that nefariously. Of course not. Uh, However, what, you know, at least not in the, in your, you don't want to see yourself that way. But if you, you feel like somebody is attacking you or taking what you deserve in a negotiation or asking for what you deserve, then you're probably compromiser and, and, and you're, you're probably compromising in your style and you just don't want to deal with it. So you stay away from that tension. And that way you don't have to look at that aspect of your own upset. Yeah. And I think it's worth, it's worth saying here. I mean, if you've been listening to us very long, you get that we don't believe people are a certain way, like as a, as a stat, as a static view, right? So I am not blank all the time. Um, cause that's just not how human beings happen, but it is good. Even as you're saying that, Dan, I realized like defensiveness, man, I can get so defensive so quickly. Yeah. And you know, even just, I'm thinking about the conversation in the kitchen this morning and like my own judgments about what should be happening, what shouldn't happen and why, blah, 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 blah. So we might find ourselves in a compromising or a diva type conversation. And so it's Go good to have language for it. So I can see when I'm showing up as that when I'm seeing the world as that, and then I show up as that, I spend so much time instead of like, okay, down boy, down. Great distinction. Yeah. You know, so these all live in us. It's like, right when on. do they arise? Yeah. Right on. That's right. Um, so this, uh, that mentality, that defensiveness is often, it can lead to, or is a sister to this idea that conflict, Conflict and confrontation are detestable. Like we shouldn't have to engage or it's it's even further than we shouldn't have to. It's like that is a sign of that something is wrong. If there's conflict or, or confrontation, something is wrong and I'm not going to have any, any part of it. Yeah, the, the whole shouldn't conversation really takes it into the domain of moral. It's a moral issue. Like, why would I have to go through yes. this? Yeah. And so when something becomes a moral issue, it has a tendency to stimulate, you know, and fan the kind of upset, rage even, or contempt for something that shouldn't be. The contempt is the shame pushing back on why we have to go through this. Can't uh-huh. we just, look, let's just compromise and get this over with. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think it ends up, for a lot of people, especially folks that like pride themselves as being a leader, it you know it it can bring up insecurities that I'd prefer not to see in myself, and then that's what g- generates. I mean, let's just do math on this and get this over with instead of having a real rich conversation around mutual interest. You know, right so, it's a, so sometimes those insecurities are like, if we if we don't befriend them, then they become they might push us down into this in this level of conversation. Yeah, mm. yeah. So th- let's talk about the idea of fair. Everybody should be traded fairly. And if there are resources to be divided, that those should be divided equally as a point of policy. Dan, what are you smiling about? Well, Mike, when I was a young kid, I told my father it wasn't fair the way I was being treated. And he said, there is no fair except for once a year. And it's, you know where the fairgrounds are. That's the only fair there is. Everything else is negotiated. 
<laughs> There's only one fair, and the corn dogs are amazing. That's yeah, right. That's great. Right. He, because uh, it just reminded me, like the point was, look, that's not good. You you can't extort me out of my what I what I'm looking to get because you don't think it's fair. You're gonna have to give me more than that. What do you mean by that? That that's interesting. You can't extort me out of out of well, something because you think it's fair. Well, if I say it's not fair, I must have some sense of entitlement about how it should look. Uh-huh. I'm not open to how it could look. I'm not open sure. to how what is being offered might even meet my needs or my interests better than what I initially wanted. I'm stuck on the position enough that if I don't get it, then it must not be fair. Uh-huh. It must not be what I, I deserve. Right? Fairness is is tied to the sense of deserving or entitlement, right? And, and you know, there's a difference between fairness and justice. Uh, you know, justice is another deal. And when you're negotiating, well, you're not, you know, you're, not, you're, you're negotiating for what you can get. And when you start to pull these things into a moral conversation, people tend to get riled. They tend to uh-huh. position themselves in, because they want to protect themselves from being called uh, immoral or a bad person, it becomes religious, right? Uh-huh. Now, if somebody's really flexible, the thing about somebody who's stuck on fair, and I would say in a moral conversation, is that they're fairly predictable, which is not good for them in the negotiation. Because mm. if I can figure out how to give you what you want, and get more of what I want, I'm going to do it. And you're going to feel doggone good about it. And there might have been a lot more available to you if you could step outside your moral view of how things should look. And the words should and moral go together. Yeah. And when, I, when, I thinking... say moral, when I say moral too, I mean a, a, a fairly judgmental or self-righteous perspective about how things ought to play out. Yeah. yeah. I, I, what comes up for me is the... Um... Um, when we're in this should conversation or in this fair conversation, how much pride there is in it um, in this way. That if I if I think something ought to be fair, who's writing those rules? Well, I am. So I'm well, writing the rules. Decide, right? Yeah. I right mean, that, I, that's I, I'm, sticky. I'm setting up the framework for the world and how the world ought to be, how the world should be. And so, therefore, I'm playing God. Right, and don't realize the distinction between oh, what I think and what Dan thinks it could be very different, and maybe neither one of us are right about it. Maybe we're just we have our own view. But if I'm in this fair conversation, I'm playing God, and that's like the ultimate form of pride. Yeah, yeah I, and I arrogance. Had, yeah, yeah. I had a situation break apart many years ago, and I didn't like the way it broke apart. They, the first people I was working with, didn't like the way it broke apart. I did some things that were. I would say I wouldn't want done to me. I was, you know, I made mistakes and I, I lied. I got, and then I realized I lied and got clear. And I, as I went through it, I asked people to forgive me. 14 years later, I get an email from somebody telling me how I'm, how uh, I should have been and how, I, and that they, and at, they never asked any questions. They just wrote this long email. And at the and it was interesting because I thought, gosh, I thought I did. They said you never asked for forgiveness, and I, because I had said, well, geez, I asked for forgiveness. They said, no, you didn't. 
So I went back and looked at my notes. I thought, oh, I did. So, But that doesn't mean anything. That means this person's still carrying this. Yeah. So I didn't respond because there was no question. But at the end of the note, she the, the, the response was, I'm just telling you the truth, and you can either handle it or you can't. And I thought, wow, okay. Right <laughs> Thanks, and now I get where you are. There is no need to, in, there's no need for me to say my point of view. No wonder you didn't ask a question because your point of view is the only way that it is. There's yeah. no possibility it could be any different. So I can live with that. Was you know? truth capitalized? The, well, <laughs> the, the letter was filled with it wasn't fair and I'm offended. Sure. And and I thought to myself, you know, gosh, I feel for this person because, man, I've been over this for a long time. I wish, I'm sad that they're still stuck there and there's not a doggone thing I can do about it because any perspective I offer isn't the truth. Yeah. And, the, and you're, that really is the definition of dogma, dogmatic, yeah. of being dogmatic, is I'm completely certain about my point of view. It is the truth, capital T, and there's no openness to any other point of view, right? Or not. And so if I'm not open to any other point of view, then I'm dogmatic. And if I'm dogmatic, well, then we might as well compromise. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know... Yeah. That 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 would be the offer, you know. You know, it's interesting for, for it, this is totally anecdotal, um, but it, it I'm just noticing at the, this moment in the conversation is those who I would subscribe to being in the compromiser camp a lot of the time. You know, even right now, I'm working with a, a client who is a founder who doesn't feel like they got their fair share of the outcome or the experience of the company. And what I'm noticing is both them and or, or them and others that I've been with in conversation in this compromiser mindset is that even if things are divided fairly, quote unquote, they're rarely it rarely feels fair to them. Well, like there's a there is a, a level of entitlement that almost there's never enough and I don't know. I just think that's interesting because there's there nothing is attached to a, a result or an outcome from their action or from what they created. It's all about you know what can I grab? What what is what what do I deem as fair? Adrian, you talk about this idea of fair being playing God. I think it's very very interesting to think about it in the context of like this idea of censored speech. Right. Everybody or not everybody. So many people want to censor speech. But then who gets to decide what speech is what's what speech is censored or who gets to censor it? Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Let me say that one more time. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Now, that's an interesting thought. If that's true, it means that everything you have in life right now the possessions, the relationships, the fitness, the mindset are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. And if that's true, wouldn't you want to be very clear on how you negotiate? What's effective and what's ineffective? What your strengths are and what your blind spots are? It is, after all, producing all the results in your life. 
So here's the deal. We put together a 15 question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team, discussing financial decisions with a partner, or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show. <laughs> no, but what you're saying is really interesting because whenever I get, I've, I've been in a place before where I thought it wasn't fair. It isn't uh-huh. fair. I'm not getting what I think I should get. Sure. And, and then, and I remember complaining to my father one time about how unfair it was. And my dad says, yeah, that's really unfair. I go, what do you mean? He goes, it's unfair to yourself and the other people for, that you would continue in a, in a situation that you think is unfair. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's unfair to you and to the other people. So what, what are you really doing, Dan? You're not a... I, he asked me, how long have you been in this situation? I have been in it for a year. And he asked me, how come I stayed in it? Because I, and have I spoke, have I asked for what I wanted? And I said, well, yes, I had asked for what I wanted. And he said, then when you didn't get what you want, wanted, why you... did you continue to participate in what you thought was unfair? Uh and he goes, isn't that unfair? And now you want, you're holding it against them. Isn't that unfair? I'll never forget the conversation. I was sitting in his office. I got so mad at him. I went to the, I had to go to the bathroom. I didn't want him to see how mad I was. And I washed my face with cold water. And then I realized how truthful it was. That's why I was so mad. And yep. it was so helpful. You know, he's a master negotiator. He really is. I really loved working with him. He just yep. had a way of seeing things that could free, like I, f- I felt freed up after that. Like, wow, I'm the one who's perpetuated the the sense of unfairness here. I could have walked away. Why didn't I? Right or on I could have I could have gotten off it and said, okay, that's the way it is if I wanted to continue. Right. See what, what other ways I could negotiate what I wanted. Instead, I just stayed positioned and self-righteous about how unfair it was. Uh huh. So it's great. Yeah. That's what it's me is like, even the whole, uh, when, when people have, when they decide that their viewpoint is the viewpoint, i.e., the dogma, uh, or the godlike thinking, uh, it's, it's, it's counterintuitive because people can be really certain that they're not worth anything as well. And they can be yeah. really dogmatic about their own insufficiency or their own unworthiness. And that's what keeps them in this compromiser state because they don't have much of a view of themselves to take a stand for something. So they'll compromise um, and then complain about the compromise, but it really comes from their lack of willingness to, to stand and um, get off the, even their own self-judgment. 
because they might not be busy judging the other people. They might be really busy judging themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they obviously, because if I stay in a situation that I feel is unfair, I'm betraying myself. Yeah. And if I if I betray myself, right. I'm there's going to be some shame there. Yeah. And every time the situation comes up, I'm going to be convicted and I'm either going to get honest about it or I'm going to react in contempt for the people I'm in I'm working with because I've compromised and I don't like the way I look and right. they're talking about it reminds me of how I look and I don't want to see that. Yeah. And so I get contemptuous. Right. Right. The- Undressed in public. <laughs> so the blind hard spot. to get out of my mind. <laughs> the blind spot that dominates the compromiser is leaving value on the table that may benefit both parties. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So you just you can't it's there's it unable to see opportunities and ways you know, possibilities and ways that we could think about this negotiation and therefore tons of value just gets left on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the strength is the ability to seek a middle ground solution, split the difference. Um, and I mean, it is what it is. Even in that, even in that strength, you can see though how value could be left on the table when you're looking to split the difference. Uh-huh. Yeah, and there is actually context for that. Obviously, you know, um, I've been in a few situations where just in order to maintain the relationship and have another opportunity to negotiate again. If it's not a game, if it's not a game breaker, look, I'm willing to, I'm willing to compromise here to preserve our ongoing relationship because we are better together than apart. I don't agree with this, but I can get off it, and I'll look for the next opportunity to to negotiate what I want. Mm-hmm. It is, and and you can think about it. You know, if I'm in the compromising style a lot, I'm going to get pretty finessful at finding the middle ground, even though that may leave value on the table. It meets my need to not have the tension. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right on. So let's dive into the diva. Uh, the diva is someone who refuses to negotiate. Okay, Adrian, you going to take this one? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, thank you. Sure. You guys have been stealing all this time here, by the way. <laughs> and I've just been over here, have a lot to say. But, but once again, you guys don't give me the time and space. There you go. Is that good? Beautifully put. Beautifully yeah. put, Diva, Diva, Adrian. Um, the the interesting one of the interesting points of this uh, of this style or or lack of style, maybe, um, <laughs> is if the if the diva has to negotiate for something to obtain it, they'll just do without it. Uh-huh. Walk away from the value or the potential of whatever is there because the negotiation is the thing that is going to get them at least a part of it. Oh, come on. Let's think of a time each of us have been a diva. Uh-huh. That's a good question. I was actually thinking about that. It's like, I think I'm a, honestly, I'm a diva with my kids often. <laughs> I've been it with my wife. Oh, man. I, I was just thinking of an argument I had the other night and I was such a diva. She even called me a bitch. <laughs> I'm thinking about times when I'm harping on my kids to do something right, and it's like, it, it obviously the tactic is not working of just repeating myself, telling them to do this thing, and they're not wanting to do it or not taking action, and I just convince myself 
that I could do without them doing the thing rather than enter into the negotiation with them. Uh-huh. That's a diva. And then you get pissed off because it never got done and they're still- That's right. That's right. Right yep. on. Yeah, so many, so many. I mean, I, I'm typically, I'm typically, I think, of all the times that I'm a diva, I'm a diva in between my ears a lot. Much more than it comes out of my mouth, I think. Like, I think like this a ton, and I talk myself out of what's hey. possible for me, and just like, eh, it's just not worth it. Just not worth the headache. It's never going to work. You know, I just, so I, I am negotiating against myself. Wow. All it, I mean, this happens a lot. Yep. You know, I, I think about sometimes we get, a couple times, we've been in a situation with clients where I just want to walk away, like forget it. And you, mm. in fact, encourage me like, well, let's just see what's in there. And then we end up going deeper with the client and it works mm-hmm. out well. But that's mm-hmm. where it comes up for me too at times like, oh, you know what? Screw this. We don't need this. Yep. And yeah. Without really considering what is it that's going on here and what's it requiring of us? Like you're, you're actually quite good at, well, let's just figure out what's going on here first before we decide to walk away from that table. That's why on that one client, Adrian, that I walked away with on that big contract, mm-hmm. I checked in with you because I wanted to make sure I wasn't being a diva. You know, I wanted yeah. to make sure I wasn't just going to throw a tantrum and go without it and hurt, yeah. hurt the company, you know? Yeah. I think of the two of us, Dan, you, I mean, when the whole, like we talk about the um, universal human paradigm, something's wrong with me. You were it. I think you're you're quick to the you, like picking an enemy quicker. Yeah. I'm 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 quicker to shame. You're quicker to judgment of other yep. people. And yeah, so we can I serve ourselves true. in that way. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. harder on myself first. You're harder on the other person first. So we balance each other out. Yeah, right. that's so true. Yeah, that's my first. I I'm an, I go to attack before I really consider what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we just did that even this week, you know. And I know when I when I'm going to craft a response to somebody, if we have tension um, uh, with somebody, if I'm going to craft a response and I send it to you, you're going to come out guns blazing, which is usually great because it gives me some space in between to deal with it. And and I, I'm I'm always checking with you because I can if I'm you know if I'm if I'm feeling threatened, I can get really punchy. That's why I, I send over to you. Is like, is that email too punchy? You're like, oh no, it's great. Like, okay. And it's worked out. <laughs> but I, I do the same thing with you. Do you think I'm being like, what am I missing here? I really do. Because you'll say, well, you know, what about this? And like I said, we went deep with those two. I can think of two clients where we went deeper where I would have walked away. And yeah. I, I was able to open up from your coaching. I go back in and open up a, another possibility. So, Right on. So the philosophy of the diva is if for, if for some reason I can have it all, then I don't want any of it. That'll yep. show them. <laughs> well, walk away is a powerful tool in negotiation. Sure. Well, that's their strength. Yeah. And it's their, it's, you know, it's funny. Our strengths are always our weaknesses too. Yep. Yeah. I would say, you, you know, walk away, walk away power as a strategy and as um, an it, one piece of your, strategy can be really effective for mm-hmm. finding some value or finding possibility mm-hmm. for each parties. I would say this type of walk away is a lot less um aimed towards possibility. Yeah. 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 That's right. 
It, well, it's not concerned with possibility as much as it is with being right. Getting, yeah, yeah, right. Self-preservation. Getting what they want. Yeah. Of course, I'm confessing here. Sure. It, yeah. It is a tool, though. I mean, I know in training, it is knowing when to not to like to walk away has a lot to do with being able to help people get up to what they said they wanted. But yeah. it's got to be in for them, right? It, it isn't okay. for my protection. It's more about I'm going to do this because I get that if I do otherwise, it's not going to be good for them. So yeah. So, but that 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 that's a good context means everything. That's for Doug. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean those those times you walk away in the revenant and the training, Dan, are, are for me my perspective of it, my experience of it is you're walking away for the sake of the future you're going to have together, right. right? You see it as an integral part of this possibility, this future that's available for you and first, for them versus making them pay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. rather than rather than pouring gasoline on it, lighting Take, a match, gosh. and then walking away. I'm taking my marbles and I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right that's so the blind spot, i mean Char- i think we belabored Char- the blind spot but scarcity lost opportunity that would be more you know more than satisfy your interests i used um, to work i used to work for john hanley and he would say well you're going to take your marbles and walk away now he was always a step ahead of me on that kind of stuff i go okay thanks for the check <laughs> so my final question and I think maybe this is a more interesting question when we talk about the compromiser. Um, so let's just go back to that. We'll wrap the conversation up with this with this uh, question. Those of you, those those uh, leaders that are listening to this, and they probably I'm gonna I'm gonna continue our assumption here. They're probably not falling into um, either of these styles most of the time. Um, what if they find themselves with a compromiser on their team? Um, why, how do, how do you approach negotiation with somebody who has a less than ideal or less than open style? What would be, what would be your approach to work towards? I mean, say, I don't, I, maybe we need a specific scenario, but say you're working on something important with them and they're stuck in the compromising style of negotiation. Are there conversations or questions that you would invite them into in order to see if you could open them up or invite them into a different way of being in the negotiation? One question that immediately comes to my mind is, if there was more available, would you want to know? Mm, It's a great question. Mm -hmm. If there was more available here than what you're willing to compromise or settle for, would you want to know? And if they say yes, then then that opens up an inquiry and you want to chunk it down. Like, I'd want to chunk it into the interests. I'd want to understand why they're, what is, what do they see as the benefit of compromising at this point? What do they see as the potential downside if you don't com- compromise? Get everything on the table. And, and then if you can open up a new possibility and that gets executed, then there'd be a debrief period where you could start to draw their attention to the tendency to want to compromise before it's necessary. Uh, I like the ideas to, to, to get a hold of when I do things that undermine my interest. Yes. In the long run. And so, yeah. and if somebody gets that, that's what I'm really committed to, because if I can get them to 
stop undermining their interests. They're going to ultimately stop undermining my interest if their interests are aligned with what we are doing as a team. Yeah. Yeah, I would say if you're a leader and you notice this thing, it's, I'm glad, first off, I'm glad it's happening with you because it's been happening with other people probably for a long time. And uh -huh. so the fact that it's happening with you is a huge opportunity. And um, you want to get that conversation on the table. It's a great moment to like zoom out and, hey, let's notice the quality of the conversation right now. You seem this way to me. Um, here's, where, here's what I'm up to. And here's how you seem to me. You know, I'm just thinking about a client right now in a conversation with this person. And this person is talking with someone that's been around the company for a long time. And it's a pretty nostalgic relationship. And by nostalgic, I really mean inauthentic. Like, you know, it was authentic at some stage, but now they're way many years down the road and they're in a negotiation right now and it's really stalemated. And my um, invitation to this client was don't, 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 don't go beyond any bit of where this other person's willing to meet you. You get really clear about where you are and just leave it. And it'll, it'll, the truth and where this person's coming from will be revealed. That's so right. if they don't want to negotiate with you, wonderful. That's great. We can be done. And I love you. And the friendship can live on if they want to or if they don't want to. That's great. But it's time to disrupt the inauthenticity and get real. So it's great that it's happening with you as the leader um, because it's probably been under like under wraps or hidden behind things. And so if, if they're that willing to do it with you, which is probably one of the bigger stakeholders in their life because you're their boss, mm -hmm. um, then they're definitely willing to do it with other people with less power. Right on. Yeah, yeah. that's really, it's really true that if you're, if you're willing to have walk away or you want to have somebody walk away, or you're willing to state what you, what, what's there, to be able to see what's going on is so much more, it's such an advantage It's for everybody to be able to uh -huh. kind of get a hold of the interests that are really driving the relationship. Then you can get on with the relationship being much more rewarding and productive from there, no matter what it looks like. Right on. If you're noticing in this conversation, if you're listening and noticing that there are parts of these styles in your culture or in the in the key players in your culture, let's talk. Email us, reach yep. out to us. We would love to hear what you're up against, what you're experiencing or what you're noticing and help you uh, integrate some of the more healthy ways of negotiation, some of the more powerful ways of negotiation that can affect the culture in a way that it, I mean, it affects everything. It affects the morale, the bottom line, the opportunity for growth, the possibility that your team sees, everything. And so my encouragement to you is if you're listening to this, don't be a passive writer. Take action. And if that action seems like one of the best steps is to reach out to us, please do it. That's why we're here. That's why we do this. And and I would emphasize to Chad's, Chad's point, his invitation if you see somebody getting stuck in one of these positions or styles like the compromiser or the diva uh, or they're extremely competitive and combative, they're stuck in it. That's where you really want to make an intervention. If they're open, well, then you got someone to work with. And we'd love to help either way, to support you in either way. So, That's right. So you can reach out to me, Chad at Take New Ground. You at chadtakenewground.com. I'll get you in the right direction. Um, but thanks so much for listening. Thanks, gentlemen. It was a great conversation. Yeah. Thank thanks. you, man.
Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening. And until next week, bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.